2: Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson.
4: Hello, my brother, hello. Welcome to Lovey Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson. Now part of the Vison Family Podcast, we've got a great podcast for you guys. In segment number two, we're going to be joined by Rob Donaldson. He does a great job over at the All Eyes Podcast He's going to be joining me, breaking down some of the games. He's also done a great job with stolen base props this season. So we're going to be talking a little bit about those, some of the criteria that he looks up to on that front. And on top of that, we are going to be taking a look at some of the big surprises to the positive and the negative that we've gotten thus far this season in the final segment. Going to give you guys picks and analysis. on every game on the betting board for this MLB Friday. As we touch them all, if you have a question, comment, segment, idea, what have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways we offer those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at gnet underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters us yeah. They mean, does not matter? So as per usual, please send these into the timeline. Other ways, find an Apple podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to fire in whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via the five-star review. Did not get in any Twitter questions today, but we got a little bit of cleanup from the late game on Wednesday. And then we got to turn it forward to what we all saw on Thursday. Try to find some trends and try to get to know these seems a little bit better. Better. A games for yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the Rowdy Recap. After the St. Louis Cardinals completely gas-canned their game on Wednesday with Giovanni Gaiogos giving up two home runs and three runs at total in the ninth inning, the Cardinals gave up an 11 spot on Thursday to lose 11-7. So if you flip that around, 7-11. The St. Louis Cardinals, they're always open to disappointing this year as Captain Jack Flaherty is the captain of the poo-poo platter. He got seven outs. He gave up 10 runs, all of which were earned, including a home run, going deep, for the Angels, Luis Renifo, his second home run of the season. Griffin Canning was not dominant. He gave up five runs in five innings, including a home run of his own to Tommy Edmond. His fifth home run season, but more than good enough to be able to get the job done. Aaron Loop gave up a pair of runs while getting a pair of outs out of the bullpen. But yeah, Tucker Davidson, Matt Moore, both a scoreless in. Chris Davinsky, one and a third inning scoreless in. For the St. Louis Cardinals, Chris Strain, two scoreless innings. You also had the Woodford and Jake Woodford come in. One underrun, given up in One and two-thirds innings before JoJo Romero and Drew Verhagen combined for three scoreless innings, but damage was done by a good friend Jack Flaherty. Our DK Nation pick on Wednesday somehow, someway hit. We needed five runs in the 10th inning from the Seattle Mariners to get it done 7-2 as Adam Aller gives up five runs, four of which were earned in the 10th inning and gets DFA'd on Thursday, so that's just great. J.P. Sears had six scoreless innings go completely down the toilet because Domingo Acevedo gave up a run in an inning. Sam Ball got a pair of outside-of-the-bullpen scoreless, but Zach Jackson... Allowed a game-tying home run in the ninth inning to A.J. Pollock, his fourth of the season, and Eugenio Suarez went deep off of Aller for his third home run season, and for Logan Gilbert, gave up two runs in six innings for the Seattle Mariners. but the Oakland A's could not hit the bullpen as Matt Brash, won and two-thirds innings scoreless, Gabe Spear, Penn Murphy, pair of outs out of the bullpen, and Trevor Gott, he got them Got as he had a scoreless inning, but for the Oakland A's, just complete and utter sadness for them on... A, Wednesday, and then on Thursday, they lose by a count of 5-3. to three. By the way, if you took the over on 8.5, this game was 5-3 to three in the top of the fourth inning. It didn't go over. So, yeah, that's a relatively rough one. But for George Kirby, got roughed up early on in this game, giving up three runs, but was able to make it seven innings after J.J. Blade A., was able to get his first home run of the season, and Drew Rasinski, KBL legend, got destroyed for the Oakland A's. Five runs surrendered in three and two-thirds as he gave up a home run to Taylor Trammell his first home run of the season. From there, the Oakland A's bullpen was actually good. Many people are wondering where that was yesterday, as Spencer Patton, Richard Lovelady, along with Austin Brewer and Rico Garcia, they were all able to give you a scoreless inning. Sammy Long one in a third innings scoreless, but for the Seattle Mariners, you had Justin Topa and Paul Seewald hold down the fort with a squirrel a-sending apiece. DK Nation right-up pick. It now goes to 10-2 in my last 12 as we had the under in the Mets versus Tigers game. Tigers get a pair of home runs in the first inning and that was all the scoring that would be had. 2-0. The Detroit Tigers get it ton as the Mets get swept, by the way, by the Tigers. They're now down to 16-16. For Verlander, he gives up those home runs in the first inning, but didn't look bad. He gives up two solo home runs over the course of five innings as Javi Baez got his second home run season. Riley Green is third. Problem was, his offense did nothing, as Eduardo Rodriguez was dominant. Gives up one walk, two hits, nine punch-outs, and eight scoreless innings before Alex Lang pitches a scoreless ninth inning. And for the Mets, you had Jeff Brigham, Dominique Leon, and Drew Smith all supply a scoreless inning. The Milwaukee Brewers gave up nine runs in the final two innings of their loss to the Colorado Rockies. Six to nine the final. Very nice, but for the Rockies... He just completely got into this Milwaukee Brewers bullpen. As Wade Miley was probably left out there a little bit too long, gives up three runs over the course of six innings. But Peters just a lucky who is very good for the Milwaukee Brewers to begin the season. As a matter of fact, he entered into this game with a 0-66 ERA. He yacked this one up. He gave up five runs and he got one out. Yeah, Joel Piamps give up a run in an inning as well before Tyson Miller. He has to get a pair of outs out of the bullpen. And for the Brewers, they did get a trio of home runs in this one. Rowdy Tillis his ninth home run season. Christian Yelich is fourth, and then you had home run number one of the season for welcome back Tyrone Taylor. Those all come off of Connor Siebold, who gave up three solo runs over the course of five innings. Did have Pierce Johnson give up two runs in the ninth inning. bryant Ann, though, scoreless inning, and Nick Mears gives up one run in two innings, but that's a sweep for the Colorado Rockies at home. Over the Milwaukee Brewers that seem to be regressing, Patrick Corbin Day was not pleasant to many. If you back the Chicago Cubs, it does not get there. Four to three. Washington Nationals get it done as for the Nationals. Patrick Corbin gives up two runs over the course of seven innings, but he was probably just left out there a little bit too long because they had him start the eighth after he had given up one hit in seven innings. Hunter Harvey could not hold on to inherited runners. He does give up a run in an inning, but Kyle Finnegan, squirrels the ninth inning to be able to get the WN. It was Alex Call who was on call for the walk-off homer in the ninth inning. Third of the campaign, that goes deep off of Brad Boxberger. Earlier in the game, Lane Thomas got a second-run run season off of James Cattayan. Cattayan, fresh off the injured list, gives up three runs in three innings before Javier Asad... Five squirrel settings on the bullpen before Brad Boxberger. He exits game up. He threw one pitch. He gave up a walk-off homer. And that's all she wrote in that one. You saw the Pittsburgh Pirates get swept by the Tampa Bay Rays. Now, if you had the Rays run line, two runs in the ninth inning. Very significant for the Pittsburgh Pirates as the Pirates lose by kind of 3-2. to two, And Vince Velasquez had to exit this game early. He went three innings. Gave up just one solo run. Going deep for the Tampa Bay Rays off of him. One at Taylor Walls, his fifth home run season. Then you have Randy Orozarena get his eighth home run season. And Yandy Diaz get his eighth home run season for Yandy Diaz. He gets his home run off of Robert Stevenson, who allowed a run in an inning. The other home run came off of Jose Hernandez, who allowed that home run in his inning of work before Dwayne Underwood Jr. Gives you two scoreless innings and Colin Holderman, a scoreless inning. But for the Tampa Bay Rays, Zach Eflin was pretty Eflin good. Ten punch outs and seven scoreless innings. Ryan Thompson, scoreless setting before Jason Adam. Gave up those two runs that may have costed you a little bit of a run line there. You saw the Baltimore Orioles and the Kansas City Royals get into a slugfest 13-10. The Kansas City Royals fall to the Baltimore Orioles as Grayson Rodriguez, not the start that the Orioles were looking for. Gives up three home runs, six runs in total over the course of three and two-thirds innings for the Royals you had. Kyle Isabel get his first home run season. Salvador Perez is 6th and it was home run number 1 for Freddie Furman. Not Freddie Freeman. Not Freddie Furman but from there for Baltimore. You have know, Danny Colombi give up 2 runs in 2 thirds of an innings. you know Perez won in the 3rd innings gives up a run and Felix Batista gave up a run in an inning but you know know continues to be terrific as he had to give up an earned run. 2 squirrel settings out of him. Brian Baker he got out, out of the bullpen and for the Baltimore Orioles they had a pair of guys get their 3rd home run season. Anthony Santana there and Gunnar Anderson both go deep off of Jordan Lyles as Lyles' sad season continues and he has made seven starts now for the Kansas City Royals and they are 0-7 in those starts. So not great there as he gave up eight runs, six of which were earned in five innings. You did have Mr. Cox be able to deliver two scoreless innings, as Austin Cox did that. Josh Sheemount, pair of out of the bullpen, but Amir Garrett, he gives up three runs in an inning, and Aroldis Chapman, he takes the L. He gives up two runs in a third of an inning, as you also had the Minnesota Twins give you a nice big old bad beat if you were on the under in this one. This game goes to the 12th inning with it tied up 2-2, and the Twins win by a count of 7-3 to because his White Sox bullpen stinks. Lucas Giolito, actually a really good start. Gives up a solo home run over the course of seven innings as he was taken deep by Carlos Correa. He's had a rough start to the season. Fourth home run of the season, but Baron Buxton, he goes deep off of Ronaldo Lopez for his eighth home run of the season for Lopez. He gives up that solo home run over the course of his inning, but Kendall Graveman, Jimmy Lambert, Aaron Bummer, they all give you a scoreless inning, and then Alex Colome. When is it a good idea to bring Alex Colome into a game? Gives up three runs, one of which was earned. And then it gets to the point where they had to throw out their semi-Peralta for his MLB debut. He gave up two runs before getting two outs for the Chicago White Sox. One of 16 is what they went with men in scoring position as Eloy Jimenez was able to get home run number four of the season off of Pablo Lopez as Mr. Lopez gives up two runs over the course of seven innings, but bullpen from there does their part. Giovanni Morin gives up an unearned run in the 12th inning, but Emilio Pagan, Brock Stewart or a Lopez along with you Duran, they all supply a scoreless inning. And then you had the Atlanta Braves be able to supply a W. 6-3. They take down the Miami Marlins as it was the Dodd father and Dylan Dodd who gave up three runs over the course of six innings, including a home run to Ode Solaire. Sixth home run season. Cesardo. He gets shelled. He gives up four runs, three of which were earned in five and two-thirds innings, including giving up a home run to Marcel Azuna. Fifth home run season. The Matt Olson goes deep off of A.J. Puck. Ninth home run season as Puck. Well, he gave up two runs in two-thirds of an inning, so he got the puck with a P out of there. Ha, ha, ha. That said, Dylan Floro, scoreless setting. Uskar Badazobin, one and a third inning. Scoreless and Stephen Okert and out of the bullpen. And for the Atlanta Braves, their bullpen was on point. A.J. Minter, Michael Tonkin, along with Nick Anderson. They all give you a scoreless setting. And for the Boston Red Sox, they just continue to be an over machine. 11-5. They get the sweep over the Blue Jays in this series. And Mr. Feaster Fam and Kevin Gosman, another bad start. For Gosman. he has made seven starts this year. He has four starts where he's won six plus innings that allowed zero runs. This is the other of those starts, which has not went so great as... He's got three other starts where he's allowed eight runs, seven of which were earned. He gave up three runs and eight innings against the Detroit Tigers in a start, and now in this one, just a complete turd where he gave up eight runs in three and a third innings, including a home run. Going deep for the Boston Red Sox was Masataka Yoshida, sixth home run of season, and then Rafael Devers. He would get a home run number 11 of the season off of Zach Pop, who got popped, giving up three runs and two-thirds of an inning. He did have Tim Asa give you five outs out of the bullpen, scoreless Eric Swanson, Anthony Bass, they both on a scoreless inning, and Yimiga Garcia gotten out, out of the bullpen. And for Toronto, Viger Jr. had himself a day. He gets his seventh home run season off for Brian Baio. As for Bayo Gives up four runs to over over the course of five innings. Ryan Brazier gives up a run and an inning out of the bullpen. But we got John Schreiber, coupled with Brendan Bernardino, be able to supply a combined three scoreless innings. So, That is all the cleanup that we've got for the games that happen on Wednesday and Thursday. And if you're taking a look at the landscape of baseball right now, we are seeing a relatively good split in terms of overs and unders. 228 overs, 224 unders. I believe that in terms of pushes, we are up to 17 right now. Might be 18, but we have certainly been seeing bookmakers do a great job with these totals. And favorites have been able to clean up thus far this season. 280 and 188, you're going to find out last seven days. Things have been a little bit more in favor of the underdog, but among the favorites that we've seen cash. We have now seen a grand total of 69 not be able to cover that run line of a one and a half runs. Meanwhile, in the last seven days, favorites just 48 and 39. And among those 48 favorites to win outright, 13 failed to cover the run line. And in the last seven days, 43 under, of 42 over. So that's what we're seeing in Major League Baseball right now. And that's what we all got in Major League Baseball on Thursday and Wednesday. Now let's turn it forward to Friday with our good friend Rob Donaldson. He does great work over with the All Eyes podcast. He joins me next to take a look at Friday's games and what we're all getting on the baseball slate in general and what we've been seeing trend-wise this season right here on the Baseball Wedding Show. It's myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the DC Family Podcast.
5: There are some things that are too good to keep a secret, like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
1: From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God,
2: Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And
4: we're back here in Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson. Now part of the Visa Family Podcast, and it is great to be joined by this man as we've got Rob Donaldson aboard. He does great work co-hosting the All Eyes Podcast. You're able to find that on his YouTube page, youtube.com slash Donaldson, and you're able to find him on Twitter at rob DFB, that is just robdfb all together as rob does a great job taking a look at baseball you're able to catch his show pretty much every weekday taking a look at some player props taking a look at some sides some totals and you much like myself when baseball isn't in full swing does a great job on college basketball as well and rob great to have you aboard thank you yeah thank you for having me on greg i love coming on and talking with you i love having you aboard rob and before we dive into some of Friday's games, what have been some of your big takeaways from the last few weeks? Because I just still keep getting hung up on this, and we've seen some teams that have been demonstratively good and bad, but I did not think at this point of the season we'd be talking about a 10-22 and 22 St. Louis Cardinals team that has a worse record than the team that they're hosting in the Detroit Tigers. I'm not sure what's been standing out to you, and that might be the biggest thing that is standing out to you because, I mean, I wouldn't blame you there, but what has been some of the things that you've been taking note of that have been a little bit surprising about this early part of the season?
0: Yeah, especially as a St. Louis Cardinals fan, it's just, it feels like it's an all-time low over the past decade. I mean, obviously there were the Mike Matheny years where there were some pretty average to bad teams in there, but I don't think those Matheny teams ever got this low, especially when you're talking about even the Colorado Rockies being two games over the St. Louis Cardinals in the win column there as well. And you talked about it. Obviously, the Nationals are three games up on them. They're right there with the White Sox, and, and they're behind the Tigers. It's a, it's a crazy time to see the Cardinals struggle like that. One of my biggest takeaways as far as just MLB as a whole is that we're seeing a lot of notable named power pitchers that rely on the like a heavy volume on fastballs or crazy stuff, like a Sandy Alcantara. Lance Lynn, Jack Flaherty, Michael Kopech, Alec Manoa, Max Scherzer. I mean, we're seeing a bunch of these guys who are just, one, notable names and power pitchers and usually have high strikeout rates, and they're not allowing a lot of base runners. They're getting not only hit around, but they're getting shelled. And I, I think that, you know, the shift comes into play with that. I think a lot of different factors come into play, but it's been a definitely an interesting first month of the MLB season.
4: Oh, it no doubt has been. We have been seeing a lot of these star pitchers. Having a little bit of a rough go of it to start the season. and This guy's had a little bit of a rough go of it to start the season in Corbin Burns. Now, something that I've noticed, because I am a Milwaukee Brewers fan, truth be told, is that Corbin Burns has actually pitched better on the road than he has at home in the last few seasons. And the good news for the Brewers is that they get to go up against Chaminade, which even if you take out the start that he had in Mexico City, which I do think that moving forward with both the Giants and the San Diego Padres, you'd want to be just... Taking out of the fold whatever happened in Mexico City for those two games, because that throws things way off. But even without that, he's still at north of a 660 ERA. And the Brewers, they're right now about minus 140 to minus 150 favorites, depending upon where you look. But how do you view this game for Friday between the Brewers and the Giants? Because I think this is a good get-right spot for Burns. And until I see any reason to back Sean Manea, I do not want to.
0: Yeah. And usually what's been happening this season with Sean Manea is it leads to a bullpen game, whether that's him just getting shelled and they have to evacuate early or they actually just come into the, the game with the mindset of, you know, let's use him as an opener almost, or let's throw out a guy ahead of him and have him cover maybe two, three, four innings. You know, Gabe Kepler loves doing that sort of thing where he's playing with the analytics, playing with different, you know, systems and ways of just kind of setting up a ball game that is, But yeah, I'm right there with you. I do think this is definitely a get right game for the Brewers after that disastrous Colorado Rockies series, especially after coming off this most recent loss where they had it in the bag up 4-0 and it just unraveled in the eighth inning. I do think that's sort of where you kind of have to look at it almost like a fluke, but you know, they have to close out games, obviously. So I think a first five there on a run line for the Brewers is definitely a good call. That's kind of where I would be leaning towards that game.
4: And by the way, that's one of just a few bad beats that we've seen for underbetters the last few days. Anyone that had the under in that White Sox versus Twins game, oh my goodness, that's bad. I fortunately was able to get home on and over in that Seattle Mariners versus Oakland A's game from Wednesday where there was a five spot in the 10th inning put up by the Seattle Mariners. But I do think that that is something that needs to be taken into account because, a lot of these bullpen ups that we've seen since the Milwaukee Brewers, they have been happening with teams that they just absolutely stink in the bullpen, like the White Sox, like the Oakland A's. Is that something that you've had to account for a little bit more with regards to your handicap? Because that's something that has really been making a big impact on my totals.
0: Oh, absolutely. You know, we talked about it last week with the Oakland A's and how, you know, they might have a good starter go for four innings before unraveling. And even if it's a two, one ball game or a 3-1 ball game or 4-1 ball game heading into the seventh you know you don't feel like they are going to hold that lead and it's kind of funny we talked last time we talked about that it was actually during Mason Miller's start against Seattle and he threw seven innings of no hit baseball and they were up two to zero and what happened you know immediately he gets pulled they gave up two bombs and Seattle all of a sudden has a lead and ends up winning the game and uh, yeah, you definitely have to factor that in, and that's why I think a lot of these first five plays, where you can kind of keep an idea of you know the flow of a game in mind, and you don't have to rely on whoever just comes out of the pen, is a really good angle to take a lot of times.
4: Yep, it certainly is. I completely agree with you there. As you're joining me on the podcast, we have, do have Rob Donaldson. He does great work with the All Eyes Podcast, and one of those bad bullpens I alluded to is the Chicago White Sox. A rather pick game against the Cincinnati Reds. It's going to be Lance Lynn on the bump for the White Sox, Hunter Green going for the Cincinnati Reds. I don't understand why this game is a pick I do think that the Reds leave a little bit of something to be desired with their offense, but this White Sox team is 0-6 and Lance Lynn starts with five of those losses coming by three-plus runs. They're all sorts of banged up with their lineup. They're just a rudderless bunch that had to completely dive into their bullpen in the game yesterday. Now they have to turn around, play against Cincinnati with Lance Lynn, who's been terrible. And Hunter Green has actually been really good this year. I'm not sure if you've got a different take than I do, but I think that this is great value on the Reds right around about a minus minus one ten.
0: We align on this game, Greg, 100%. You know, you look at Lance Lynn's last start against Tampa Bay. I actually thought he did really well in terms of he was twirling a no-hitter through six innings before it just completely unraveled on the White Sox in that seventh inning. When you're giving up a hard hit rate of over 40% pretty much every single outing, and you're playing in Great American Ballpark, and it's a nice day outside, you're going to get tagged. More than likely or not, you're probably going to give up four plus runs, and that would even be a good day for Lance Lynn at this point. So, yeah, this could definitely be one of those games where we look up at the scoreboard after three innings, and it's five to one Reds, or they have five runs on the board. Hunter Green, I think, has been stellar. So, the fact that, yeah, like you said, the fact that this is a pick I think we're getting an amazing line with the Reds, and I would even take reverse run lines up to minus two and a half, personally.
4: Yeah, I do not blame you there. And Hunter Green has really been a nice find this far this season as what was hurting him last year was giving up the deep ball. Just one over on a lot of 29-plus innings this far this season. So I've been highly impressed there. Now, when it comes to the pitching matchup of the day, I think that it has to go to this game. you got Christian Avier going for the Houston Astros against Luis Castillo of the Seattle Mariners. And the Mariners are between minus 142, minus 145 favorites. What do you make out of this one? Because with Luis Castillo, I do think that he's a better pitcher in this spot, but when it comes to Seattle, they were able to get right against the Oakland A's, but that's not really saying a whole heck of a lot. And I do think that with the Mariners' just lack of offense in general, they entered into that series against the Oakland A's. Dead last in terms of adding average. That gives me pause in laying north of minus 140 with them in the spot.
0: Yeah, I absolutely agree. And Christian Javier is not a bad pitcher whatsoever. I think an under is a good play here just because of the stadium. And like you said, like you alluded to, the Mariners offense in general just has been uninspiring. And yeah, they did beat the A's, but they struggled in in quite a few of those games as well. It's just one of those things where I don't think you can bet on the Mariners right now. I don't think you can bet on the Cardinals right now. There's a handful of teams really just going through it. And I do think that the Astros, you know, getting plus money on a spot like this is definitely the side to take.
4: I agree with you, as we do have Rob Donaldson, who does great work over at the All Eyes podcast, showing me right here on the Baseball Betting Show. And. Uh, but if we talk about a team that has been mentioned a few times, the Oakland A's, and I think at this point, as long as we're getting anything south of minus $2 on darn near any major league <laughs> baseball team, it's probably worth just fading the Oakland A's. Perhaps a Mason Miller start might be worth taking a look at, because I actually really like the way that he pitched a few days ago, to your point, but it's Kyle Mueller going up against Brad Keller, and the Royals currently have eight wins this year. They're a hot mess, but – I take a look at minus 150 with the Royals, and as unbelievable as it is, I think that there's good value here. I personally am looking more at the run line because I don't want to lay that juice, but until I see just any sort of a heartbeat from an Oakland A's team that had an EFA half their bullpen because they all stunk, I just <laughs> cannot bet on this Oakland A's team for the life of me.
0: Absolutely agree. I think there's a lot of like first five value when they do throw out like a Mason Miller, but Colin Mueller is just not the type of guy that I want to be back in at all in any capacity. And I do like a first five run line here. I really like Brad Keller. I also like a first five under team total for the A's as well. I just don't think their offense is there either. And if you do want to go even, you know, deep dive into this game, you know, Kyle Mueller allows a lot of dudes to get on base, not necessarily, you know, hard contact, but Over the years, over the past three years, and he's only been in the league three years, he's top five in terms of stolen base success rate allowed. So you look at the top of the lineup and you see Bobby Witt, you know, throw some money on Bobby Witt to steal a bag. I think you're probably coming out profitable.
4: And how have you been gauging the stolen base props this year? Because I know that you've had quite a bit of success with it. Is it a case where you target a few specific teams and just a few players from those teams? Is it just going against a certain pitcher? Because I know that one guy... Obviously he's not going to be pitching on Friday, but in Noah Thor Synigard, he gives up like a hundred million billion stolen bases. <laughs> so how have you been gauging these overall to be able to find success in the stolen base prop market?
0: If you look over the past few years, it's always the same guys throughout the entire season, game to game, that are giving up the most stolen bases. Because as we know, you know, it's not up to the catcher a lot of times to actually throw the guys out. Obviously that does help and, and Shea Langleyers is actually a good defensive catcher in that regard, but it's just about the delivery time and getting the ball to the plate. And I definitely look at the starting pitchers in that regard when I'm targeting a stolen base prop and just seeing, you know, which guys do allow a lot of stolen bags. I also have started to look at bullpens a lot more because this is becoming really prevalent where guys are coming in the game. And we saw a perfect example of it with Baltimore going up against the Kansas State Royals. You know, once Araldis Chapman came in the game, it was a free-for-all in the base pass for the Orioles. I mean, they were running on every single pitch. They were stealing third multiple times. is just absolutely unraveled. And I do think that once you see that happen in front of you, like the Royals did, I think that's going to encourage them to try to be a little bit more aggressive. So I factor in a lot of different things. A lot of it, you know, you just have to, you know, dial in and just say, all right, you know, there's a lot of nice value out there. I'm just going to dial in this one particular pick. And I do like Bobby Witt a lot.
4: Yeah. With Bobby Witt, I do think that he's got a chance to be able to steal some bags and It's been tough for the Royals to move the line this year, but fortunately, they are going up against the Oakland A's, who as a collective have north of a 7 ERA, so that (laughs) should be able to help them out quite a bit. And Rob, is there anything else on the card that you are going to be taking a look at for Friday, whether it is going to be a player or two that you like, or maybe there's a team, a pitcher that you're feeling a little bit unsure about, and you just want to be able to watch them a little bit more before you fire in on them? a little bit more in May and beyond.
0: It's kind of interesting. I've been looking at the Rockies a lot lately, just because I'm wondering if, you know, there is some value with the team, like in the absolute doldrums and has the ability to emerge out of it. And that's kind of one of the teams I've been settling on. I don't think they have a horrible rotation. I do think obviously getting of back is going to actually help them. You know, last year he was a guy who was a little bit of a darling towards the under in the second half of the season when they finally started to extend him out past you know, two or three innings. When we look at the game tomorrow against the Mets, Kode Senga on the other side, I do think he's due for probably a good outing here, especially with the Rockies and how they hit on the road. Typically, I kind of like bo- taking both team totals to go under in this one, maybe even a full game under as well or for f- first five under as well. I do think that there is actually some value with taking a run line with the Rockies as well because of that aspect too.
4: What I think is so interesting is Whether or not Antonio Sensatella is actually going to get strikeouts this year because Antonio (laughs) Sensatella, one of the ultimate pitch-to-contact guys, so him pitching out there in New York I think is going to be a little bit more beneficial, and that does jack up his numbers so much. When you are a pitch-to-contact guy in Colorado, typically it does not go well for you. If you're able to play in a ballpark like, oh, I don't know, Oakland, he would probably be actually really (laughs) good. So I always think that looking at the ballpark that Antonio Sensatella is pitching in, as well as being in New York, a little bit more of a pitcher-friendly ballpark. And something that is very friendly to us on this podcast is getting on great guests like you. Rob, you do an amazing job with the All Eyes podcast. I know that you, much like myself, have two main sports in baseball along with college basketball. So lots of good people at home. Know what's on tap for you and how people can follow along on social media and other platforms.
0: Yeah. Thank you for so having me on all the time, Greg. I really do appreciate it. And you know, you are the gold standard when it comes to, you know, valuable insight and transparency. And, and I love that. So I keep doing you and, and thanks for having me on.
4: Always love having Rob Donaldson aboard. He does great work. taking a look at the game of baseball and every single time he's joined this podcast has lended great insights. Much like today. So, big thanks to Rob for joining me on the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the Visa Family Podcast. And coming up next, it is that time of the podcast to give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Friday as we touch them all.
2: This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is... Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And
4: we're back here LB Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson. Now part of the Beeson Family a Podcast. It is always great to get Rob Donaldson aboard. He does great work at the All Eyes Podcast. Does amazing work taking a look at my two favorite sports in college basketball. Along with baseball, every single time he joins this podcast, One's tremendous insights. Did a great job of taking a look at the board for today and what we're all finding in general. So big thanks to him for joining me in the last segment. Now it is that time. Of the podcast to give you picks and analysis out of every game on the betting board for this MLB Friday as we touch them all
0: if a game is listed on the betting board greg has a side and a total on it so it is time to touch them all
4: do note that as per usual any changes there may be these plays will be listed up on my twitter feed at unit underscore 81 we're going to be going in las vegas rotation order this is where we go with the national league games first then the american league games and the Interleague games those are going to be at the bottom that'll keep things all nice neat clean and easy so without further ado I've been on this first game of 951-952 on the betting board. It is the Miami Marlins. They hit the road to face off against the Chicago Cubs. The man of steel, Justin Steele, is going to be going for the Cubbies. And Edward Cabrera is going to be on the bump for the Miami Marlins. Only DraftKings has a total currently up on the board for this one. And I'm currently finding that total at 9 over and under, both at minus 110. Meanwhile, if you're looking at the Cubs' money line, it's anywhere between minus 150 to a minus 165. Between plus 138 and plus 142 is your number on the Miami Marlins and I set my money line of the Cubs at a minus 176. Really not finding too many run lines up because you typically don't get a run line until you've got a total right now. I'm finding that at a plus 135 at DraftKings. I don't have DraftKings available to me, but I tell you, if I get that sort of a number, I'm going to be willing to take it. Now, I did set my total at 10.2, so I'm going to be looking at an over on a 9. And the reason why is that you've got low to mid 60s are expected For this Friday afternoon game. With winds blowing out at north of 10 miles per hour. So it is blowing dead out. That is going to be causing for a nice offensive environment. Now it is a Miami Marlins team that. I fully recognize that they are currently dead last in the National League in terms of runs per game, but I do think that they should be able to get a little bit of something going even though Justin Seale has been very solid at home. During the 2022 season, posted up a 278 home area compared to a 378 area on the road, and he's been good at limiting the hard contact. Just two bombs given up in 36 and a third innings as far this season, but he does sometimes get into a little bit of an issue with walks, a little bit over three walks per nine innings in his year-plus at the big league level. Meanwhile, for Edward Cabrera, I want to talk about guys that have problems with walks. His walks per nine rate is north of eight right now. He does a good job of being able to get swings and misses. He's getting right around 11 punch outs per nine innings, but on the road, he has had a very difficult time just with regards to command. 12 walks and 12 innings. Opponents are only hitting about at 220 off of them overall for the season, but jacks up his pitch count, and that leaves the Miami Marlins bullpen rather exposed. That is not necessarily too great to start with, and really, both of these bullpens, they do leave a little bit of something to be desired with the Chicago Cubs. or are 18th in the league in terms of bullpen, ERA, the Miami Marlins are 25th, and with the Marlins, they're still dealing with the injury to JT Chargois. It's to the point where they've picked up Chichi chi Gonzalez, that's not too great. A.J. Puck has been terrific for this team, and Stephen Okert last year was relatively solid. He's been a little bit more up and down this season. Meanwhile, for the Chicago Cubs, a little bit testy with this bullpen as well. Michael Fulmer has been absolutely terrible for this bunch. They didn't get a lot of length out of James to tie on, so they could use good length out of Justin Seal. But for the Chicago Cubs, this team ranks in the top two in the National League. Both in terms of batting average and in terms of runs per game as well. At the very least, they were at the beginning part of the week. They did see that dip a little bit against Washington Nationals, but you do have Patrick Wisdom, who's been able to supply 11 home runs as far this season. And it's really a nice balance effort for the team because outside of Patrick Wisdom, everyone who has had at least 38 at bats for the team this season is sitting at least at 250. Nico Horner is really the only guy that's sitting above a three hour but Got good balance all the way around. Dansby Swanson, Nelson Velasquez, C.A. Suzuki, all these guys sitting between about a 275 to a 285. Cody Bellinger sitting at 300 with seven home runs. Meanwhile, for the Miami Marlins, Ori Solaire is doing a good job of being able to put a lot of oomph behind the ball, but it's only resulted in about a 220 average. Luis Arias has been amazing at being able to get on base. He is currently hitting north of a 400 still, but you don't have a lot of firepower when it comes to the deep ball. Only about 27 home runs in 32 games as far this season. do have guys that are able to move the line. Asu Sanchez, Garrett Hampson, Brian De La Cruz, John Birdie, all in between about a two fifty to two sixty one, and then Yuli Gurriel. Finning just below 300, but Gene Segura, Avisio Garcia. These guys have not necessarily panned out, so I do think that there's gonna be runs that are gonna be very plentiful. I do think that both of these starters are gonna be jacking up their pitch count a little bit more, so. If we get the 9, like I'm seeing right now, I'm willing to go over. Heck, up to a 10, I'm willing to go over. But with the Cubs, something about a minus 176 on the money line. If we get this sort of a money line, probably going to be looking at a run line of the Cubs, lay a run and a half, get a plus price to go along with this total over. 953, 954 on the betting board. Colorado Rockies are hitting the road face off against the New York Mets. Kodai Senga is going to be going for the Metropolitans. And Antonio Sensatella makes his season debut for Colorado. Colorado is anywhere between plus one ninety five and plus two ten underdogs between minus two thirty and minus two thirty five is your number on uh, the Rockies. I'll just give you the run line right now. Find that minus one fifteen on the New York Mets, and you are done on this game. It is eight and a half. The over is anywhere between minus one ten to a minus one twenty. The under and is anywhere between even a minus one ten. It's been a rough go of it for the Mets, but I set them minus 244 on the money line and minus 128 on the run line, and the biggest reason why is that this Colorado Rockies team is absolutely terrible on the road, averaging three runs per game on the road since the start of the 2022 season. By far the worst mark in the big leagues, and you bring back Antonio Sensatella. He made two tune-up starts in preparation for this. Granted, it was in the PCL, but in his two tune-up starts, went six and a third innings, gave up 13 hits, 10 runs, 7 of which were earned after having a 507 ERA last season with giving up 13 hits per 9 innings. Never has been a swing and miss guy with 6 punch outs per 9 innings while giving up 2.8 walks per 9 innings for his career. Antonio Sensatel is not good at all, and he's backed up by a bullpen that does rank in the bottom 10 in the big leagues in terms of bullpen ERA. Now, for the New York Mets, this actually has been a relatively respectable bullpen. Even going into yesterday, this bullpen was in the upper half of the big leagues in terms of bullpen ERA. They actually did a solid job with their bullpen yesterday. They're now number 9 in the big leagues in terms of bullpen ERA, and I do think that Kodai Senga is going to be able to end a relatively okay start against a Colorado Rockies team that... They just always have those big, giant, demonstrative home and road splits. Last year, top team in the big leagues in terms of runs per game at home, dead last in terms of runs per game on the road, and for Colorado this year, Ending a 2.20 as a collective on the road with 11 home runs in 16 games, and I believe since the season opening game against San Diego, they have just eight of those home runs, so that's a little bit of an issue. Now, you've got a mess team that they just got shut up by the Detroit Tigers. That's rather deplorable, but Pete Alonso done a good job of being able put back to ball. He's been able to supply 11 home runs as far this season, and for the Metropolitans, you do have guys that are moving the line. Brett Batty along with Brandon Nimmo hitting above a 3 for this bunch. You've been able to have quite a few guys be able to give you a little bit of on-base as you've got Sterling Marte, Marcana, Pete Alonzo, Tommy Pham, Luis Galorme, Francisco Lindor, all between a 310 to 325 on-base. The problem is most of these guys have been hitting below a 230, so they're really relying upon drawing walks at this point. Meanwhile, for the Colorado Rockies, just having Chris Bryant out there is big C.J. Crone has been stuck on six home runs for quite a while, but he's able to supply a little bit of boom as well. But once again, he got those very demonstrative home runs. But I will say for the Colorado Rockies, they beefed up their bullpen in the offseason. You've got Brad Hand, who's able to do a relatively solid job. Daniel Bard is something I do like. And it is a Rockies team that they're flying high. They're 3-0 here in the month of May. So they're riding a little bit of a win streak. Overall, they've been able to win four straight games. But I do think that that is going to be coming to an end here, even though you do have Brent Suter out in the bullpen as for the New York Mets. They did have to burn up a few arms yesterday, but Adam Vino is still a relatively okay bullpen piece for this team. David Robertson has been able to shut the door all season long. Drew Smith has been able to give you some good innings as well, and I do think that Kodai Senga is going to be able to have a relatively solid start in this one. Overall, it is a 4.15 ERA. That sweeper pitch is very nice of his He's been giving up a little bit too much of our contact. Five home runs given up in 26 innings, but this is a relatively pitcher-friendly ballpark. Big thing is, cutting down on the 18 walks in 26 innings that he's had thus far this season. I do think that going up against the Colorado Rockies exactly what he needs. Did some, I told at an 8.6. I think that Antonio Sensatella gets a little blazed and that the Mets bats are able to come alive. So looking at the over, and I'm going to be willing to take the run line of the Mets. Was willing to lay up to a minus 125 on that Mets run line. 955, 956 on the betting board. It is the Arizona Diamondbacks playing against the Washington Nationals. Josiah Gray is going for the Nats. And now Merrill Kelly on the bump for Arizona and the Diamondbacks. Between minus 175 to minus 180, favor between plus 150 and plus 162, your number on Washington. 8.5 a a to 9 is your total. On the 8.5 a a is minus 120, the under is even. On the 9, the under is minus 120 and the over is even. I set the Nationals at a plus 173 in terms of the money line. If you're taking a look at the run line of the Arizona Diamondbacks, currently find that. In between a plus 105 to a plus 110. So this is a little bit more of a wait and see mode for me as I set the Diamondbacks minus 173 on the money line. I'm right now seeing as low as a minus 170 pop up onto the board here. I would like to be able to get more of a plus 175 on the Washington Nationals. I sort of doubt that I'm going to be able to get it. So I'm going to try to see if I'm able to get a plus 115 or so. In terms of the years in a diamondbacks run line, so this is a little bit more wait and see. If I had to bet it right now, I'd be taking a look at the diamondbacks money line, but reluctant to lay a minus one seventy at this point. With Merrill Kelly, though, he has been able to do an absolutely masterful job at home as he's got a 306 ERA overall the season and this season, his home ERA has been far worse than it has been on the road. He's currently got a road ERA of a buck fifteen, and it's a ERA of more around a four eighty six at home. But if you take a look at the career numbers for Merrill Kelly, you'll realize that this is someone that he always pitches significantly better when he is at home rather than on the road. Four forty two road ERA, three forty three home ERA. Big reason why is that he's just able to cut down on the walks. At home by right around, I would say about a half a walk for nine innings, perhaps even a little bit more when he is at home. Meanwhile, you've got someone in Josiah Gray who's been absolutely terrific for the Washington Nationals, which is why I do need a little bit more of a plus price on the Diamondbacks run line to take a shot. Because Josiah Gray has now given up a grand total of five runs over the course of his last five starts. He's only gotten the team to victory twice in his six starts as far this season, though, because He's had uh, three out of his last five starts where the team has scored zero runs for him. That has been absolutely brutal. For Yusai Gray, strikeout stuff, it is there from right around eight and a half punchouts per nine innings. The walks per nine is still a little bit north of three, but has been able to cut down on the hard contact after he was given up darn near two home runs per nine innings last season, and hard contact is right now what's eluding the Washington Nationals. 16 home runs as far this season as dead last in the National League. Now, you do have guys that are able to get on base and move the line, as you got Lane Thomas, Michael Chavis, Dominic Smith, all in between about a 259 to a 269, Joey Manessis, and you 275, Victor Robles, nearly a 400 on base. So these guys have been solid with that regard. And for the Arizona Diamondbacks, they hit significantly better at home than they do on the road. Road batting average for the years diamondbacks as far this season has been two fifty, which that's not bad, but when you compare it to their home batting average of a two eighty three, really does not compare us. Corbin Carroll, along with Josh Ruas, Lourdes Gurriel, Gabriel Moreno, all these guys are at least a 295 at home. You haven't necessarily been able to get a lot of wallop power when it comes to this Arizona Diamondbacks team. Chris Walker is now up to seven home runs, so he's been able to surge. And now he's hitting about a 265 along with Marte of oh, the Marte Parte, but this team has been having a little bit of a tough time of being able to send balls yard. And for both of these teams, bullpen's not necessarily too terrific for the Washington Nationals. Their bullpen has an ERA that is hovering right in the neighborhood about four. They're 19th in the league with this regard. Diamondbacks, they're 23rd. But for the years in the Diamondbacks, they now have to have to play back the fourth. Kyle Nelson has supplied a sub-two ERA. They're bringing Miguel Castro, Andrew Chafin in the offseason to be able to fortify things. Meanwhile, for the Washington Nationals, you've gotten some very good production out of a few guys. Like Carl Edwards Jr., along with Mason Thompson, posting up a sub-250 ERA. Hunter RV has been able to do a solid job. Sub-three ERA, though he did get used up yesterday. And now you've got Andres Machado back in the fold who's been able to a solid job for this bunch. Problem with the Washington Nationals though, just not being able to put back the ball, which is why at the current numbers, if I had to bet it, I would lay that minus 170 on the Arizona Diamondbacks, but I'm in a little bit of wait and see mode, trying to see if I can get a little bit more of a plus number on the Diamondbacks run line and or get this up to right around about a plus 175 to take a shot on the Washington Nationals, but when it comes to the total, I set it at 7.6 being able to get between an 8.5 to a 9 looking at the under, and like I said, at current numbers, I would lay the big number with the Arizona Diamondbacks. I'm currently in a little bit more of a wait in C mode to see if we can reduce that juice a little bit more. 957, 958 on the betting board. The only Dodgers hit the red face off against the San Diego Padres. Joe Musgrove is going to be going for the pods and Clayton Kershaw is on the bump for the Dodgers. Dodgers between minus 113 and minus 125 favorites. Any between plus 103 and plus 110 is your number on San Diego. seven half to 8 is your total. On the seven half over is minus 115. The under is minus 105. On the 8, under is minus 115. The over is minus 105. Did my total and at 7.7, all I've got available to me is an 8, and I would rather have the 8 under rather than the seven half over personally. Now, with the LA Dodgers, they're currently leading the National League in terms of runs per game and home runs, but they have not necessarily been able to do the world's greatest job. Their batting average, it is up to a 241. A few days ago, this was down as low as a 225, but I do think that this team starting to come around with that regard, and you do have a lot of guys that will be able to do a great job of just being over each base and general. Mookie Betts, Will Smith, Freddie Freeman, Max Muncy, James Outman, all at least a 373 on base with Max Muncy 12 home runs. That currently leads the big leagues. Outman has been able to give you seven bombs himself now. The bottom of the fold is where this team has really been going wrong. Guys like Austin wins. Trace Thompson, Miguel Rojas hitting below 200 that That's been a little bit of an issue, but the Dodgers seem to be finding that firepower for the San Diego Padres. In games not played in Mexico City, they're currently in the bottom five of the big leagues in terms of both batting average and runs per game. Not so great with that regard, as Manny Machado is currently hitting at 235 along Trent Grisham. They still have not been able to get anything out of one, so I recognize that the on-base is good, but sitting at two twenty-seven with five home runs as far as the season, that's just not going to cut it. Austin Nola, Rune Adora, Hossam Kim. Hitting below a two hundred twenty-five, once again, not going to cut it, especially with this Padres bullpen not doing a very good job themselves. When it comes to San Diego in terms of their bullpen era, currently 20th in the big leagues, and I recognize that they don't necessarily have the Mona Lisa Vitos of bullpen era on the flip side with the LA Dodgers, currently clocking in right in the neighborhood of about 22nd themselves, but it's not been great outside of Josh Shader. You've got Stephen Wilson at a sub-3 ERA last season. Brent Honeywell has been relatively okay, but that's been a little bit of an issue and for the LA Dodgers. These guys that were so good for the team last year. Like in Alex Vesia, have started to fail this team. Yancey Almonte is currently rocking north of a 70 ERA. Victor Gonzalez, Bersander Gratterall have been relatively solid. Caleb Ferguson has been able to do a solid job as well, but I do think that Clayton Kershaw, Still the better pitcher in this spot, Buck 89 ERA. He's honestly given up fewer home runs on the road than he has at home in recent seasons. thus far this season, has already allowed three home runs in his three starts on the road, but I mean, a little bit of that has just been the product of the competition that he's been playing against, and for Joe Musgrove, two starts, I mean, I am going to consider that start in Mexico City, where he allowed seven runs in three and a third innings, a complete throwaway. I mean, that's just, he doesn't deserve that. Gave up three runs in five innings in his first start of the season against the Arizona Diamondbacks. I'm willing to default more to the 2022 numbers. We had a 301 ERA on the road, 286 ERA at home, but at home, did give up right around Point three home runs per nine innings. I do think that Joe Musgrove could be in a little bit of a circumstance that is sticky against an LA Dodgers team that was able to get them pretty good last season. Gave up seven runs in 17 in the third innings and four home runs against them. So I do think that the Dodgers are going to be able to get to him here. Set the Dodgers at a minus 131 on the money line. Going to be willing to ride with them. Don't want the run line, even though the Dodgers have been a very good run line team. As I do think that this is going to be a bit of a lower scoring game. As so I'm also taking a look at the eight under. nine fifty-nine, nine sixty on the betting board. The San Francisco Giants playoffs to the Milwaukee Brewers. As Corbin Burns is going to be going for the Brewers. And Sean Mane is on the bump for the Giants. Giants, any between plus 125 and plus 133 underdogs. Between minus 140 to minus 146, your number on the Brew Crew. Toll on scheme is 8. Under is minus 115. The over is minus 105. I did set my total at 98.2, so... Going to be looking at the over. Very interestingly, Corbin Burns since the beginning of the 2021 season has an ERA that's right around a half a point better when he's on the road than he does at home. And thus far this season, 295 road ERA compared to a 528 ERA at home, giving up just one home run in 18 and a third innings when he has been on the road thus far this season. Certainly, I think we're going to see a little bit of regression there, but Also goes up against someone in Chamonix that has been absolutely awful this year. Now, one of those starts once again came in Mexico City, so a little bit of a throwaway, but... Even prior to the start in Mexico City, he had a 6.61 ERA, has been giving up the deep ball. As outside of Mexico City, he's given up five home runs in 16 and a third innings. He just is not the guy that he used to be. And for the San Francisco Giants, they back up their man in Sean Manea with a bullpen that is just absolutely deplorable. 6.26 ERA, that is currently 28th in the big leagues. And for the Milwaukee Brewers. The bullpen pooped the bed yesterday. No fans are bust about it, but this is still a Brewers bullpen that ranks 11th in the big leagues. In terms of bullpen ERA, you've been able to get some good innings out of so many of these guys. Peter Strzelecki has been able to do a good job of holding down the fort now up to a 420 ERA, but you've got someone like a Jake Cousins when he's been out there. Gus Farland, a lot of Joel giving you a sub. 3-2 ERA being able to get the ball to Devin Williams, who has yet to give up a run all season long now. It is a Brewers lineup that has been very hit or miss by Rowdy Tellez. He has been a hit in nine home runs right around 333 on base and with the Milwaukee Brewers. Just have a lot of guys in general between, we're going to call it a 316 to a 333 on base. Tellez, Brian Anderson, Christian Yelich, William Thomas, Owen Miller on that fold though for Yelich. hitting a 243 with four home runs. You once again just expect more out of him. Bryce Durang, Joey Weimer. Both of these guys are now hitting below a 245. We've seen some big time regression there. But for the San Francisco Giants, it's an all or nothing team that just doesn't crank out the deep ball when they're at home the same way that they do on the road. The San Francisco Giants right now pretty much lead the National League in terms of home runs on the road with a little bit over two per game at home. That shrinks as they've got just 16 home runs in 14 games, which it makes sense. This is a very pitcher-friendly ballpark that they play in for the San Francisco Giants. They very much rely upon platoon splits as well. When it's all said and done, I don't think you're going to have a single guy that hits north of 30 home runs, but... As of right now, it's a Giants bunch that has nine different guys that are giving you at least four home runs. Not too many of these guys are doing an amazing job of moving the line, but Lamonte Wade Jr., Wilmer Flores, you find 11 home runs, both of these guys. In between about a 250 to a 260, JD Davis has been able to 280. Then you do have Therio Estrada, 400 on base, four home runs. He's been able to do a nice job as well. But I do think that this is a spot where Chaminet is going to be getting a little blaze. blazing for Corbin Burns. As not as he looked like himself this season, the bullpen starting to show some uh, cracks in the armor. So I did something I told him in 8.2, looking at the eight over, and with the Brewers, something about a minus 168 on the money line. If you are taking a look at the Roku run line, You're right now going to be able to get a plus price of anywhere between about a plus 115 to a plus 120. Personally, I'm going to stick with the money line just because this is a broker team that has been a little bit less than trustworthy recently. So I'm going to have that broker money line and I'm going to be taking a look at this total over 961, 962 on the betting board. The Tampa Bay Rays playoffs the New York Yankees. Johnny Benito is going to be going for the Yankees. And Yoni Jorninos is on the bump for the Rays. And the Rays are minus 180 favorites, plus 155. 155-year number on the Yankees, 8.5 is the total. Over and under are both at minus 110. Currently only seeing this at DraftKings. I set my total at a 7.3. If they're going to give us an 8.5, I'm going to take a look at the under. The Yankees pitching has actually been really good this year. The Yankees hitting is just a disaster. You've got Aaron Judge who's currently out of the fold. Anthony Rizzo has done a solid job. He's been late about a 289, five home runs. But you just take a look up and down the boulevard at this New York Yankees team. And with all the ailments that they've got with John Carlos Sand along with Aaron Judge out of the fold. You just don't sort have of guys are able to get on base. Outside of Anthony Rizzo, I mentioned before. Among guys that have given you at least 50 at-bats thus far this year, you've got D.J. LeMay, who has been able to hit 260, and that is the only guy that is hitting above a two hundred forty six. I mean, absolute sadness. You've got guys like Isaiah Canerfalefa, Osvaldo Peraza, Osvaldo Cabrera, Franchi Cordero, Kyle Ligashioka, all hitting below the Mendoza of 200, but for the New York Yankees, this bullpen has been about as rock-solid as it gets. Number three in terms of bullpen ERA. With the Tampa Bay Rays, they have been number one in the league in terms of bullpen ERA. So both of these seems very trustworthy with that regard. But for the New York Yankees, really, other than Clay Holmes, who has been terrible, all these guys have been rock solid. Wandy Peralta, Jimmy Cordero, Ron Mananacchio, Michael King, all these guys giving you a sub-3 ERA. And then for the Tampa Bay Rays, all these guys have been able to do a great job for them as well. Now, Pete Fairbanks. He's dealing you know, with a little bit of an injury, so that's a tad bit of an issue. And I will say this about Yoni Chirinos. Do not be surprised if we do see a little bit of an opener situation. I know that that has been something that's worked out very well for them, and we've already seen an opener in some of his starts. And got no shortage of guys with a sub-two ERA that are able to come in and hold down the fort. As Colin Pouche along with Ryan Thompson, Jason Adam, all these guys are in that fold. Zach Birdie is someone that they picked up out of the heat so far. So good for him. Garrett Clevenger has a 253 ERA. So, we've got a Tampa Bay Rays team doing a great job on that front now. The Tampa Bay Rays, they lead the big leagues in darn near every offensive category. 64 home runs thus far this season. 64! It's absolutely ridiculous as you've got Josh Lowe, Yandy Diaz, Harold Ramirez all hitting at least a 325 along with Randy Orozarena, Wander Franco. He's hitting closer to about a 300. Isak Paredes has been able to pick it up. So, I do think that. They're going to be able to do a solid job against Johnny Brito. But for Brito, you go back to him at the minor league level. He was only giving up right around two walks per nine innings. I think that he's starting to find himself in the big leagues. As in games that he has not went up against the Minnesota Twins, he has given up a grand total of four runs over the course of 20 innings. So he's been able to do a solid job aside from when he does play against the Minnesota Twins. Not too much of a strikeout guy, but I do think that this total is way too high. Yankees pitching has been good. Yankees offense has been terrible. Set my total at 7.3. Gonna be taking a look at the soda under with regards to the money line. I did set the raise minus 171 there. If you are taking a look at the run line, you're gonna be finding that raise run line in the pocket of about a plus one ten. If I'm able to get closer to a plus 120, I'd be willing to consider that. I am very much in wait and see mode on the money line. Only DraftKings has the number up there. They've got a little bit of higher juice, so it's a little bit of wait and see mode in terms of the money line, but at a minus 170 or less one delay with Rays plus 172 or higher, looking at the Yankees, and plus 120 or better, looking at the Rays run line, but in terms of the 8.5, looking at the under. 963, 964 on the betting board. The Cleveland Guardians playoffs to the Minnesota Twins. Bailey over goes for the Twins, and Peyton Battenfield is on the bump for Cleveland. Cleveland is an underdog between even money and plus 113 and between minus 120 to minus 123 is your number. On Minnesota, 8.5 is the total. Unders minus 115 to minus 120. The over is between even and minus 105. I made the Twins minus 124 on the money line. So it's pretty much at the max threshold that I'm willing to lay. But I'm going to be willing to lay it with Bailey Ober. Always has been very good with his command career Walks for nine rate. That hovers right around two. He's walked five guys in his first 11 and a third innings thus far this season, but very small sample size. I'm willing to forgive that. And Overall, has been pretty solid in his two starts. Has won five and two thirds innings in both of those. giving up one on a piece now. They came against the Kansas City Royals in the launch and the Nationals at home, but this is a Guardians team it has not batting down the hatches with regards to their offense because you've got batting field out there, but take a look at the Guardians. 17 home runs thus far this Season that is dead last out of the American League, and they're only in at 228 as a collective. And that's a big thing because the Guardians were second worst in the big leagues in terms of home runs last season as well. But you had so many guys like Amid Rosario, Andre Jimenez, Will Brandon, Oscar Gonzalez, that were all hitting above 270 last year. All four of these guys hitting at 236 or lower. You have Jose Ramirez still hitting at 285, 17 RBI. Steven Kwan has they able to hit 270, but you know that's an issue when you've got nobody with north of three home runs on this team. I will say for the Cleveland Guardians, still won the best bullpens in the big leagues, even though James Karincheck along Nick Sandlin, They've been a little bit more suspect than they were a season ago, but still 8th in the big leagues in terms of bullpen ERA as you've been able to get some good innings out of someone like Trevor Steven. Aniel De Los Santos has been able to do a solid job along with Eli Morgan for the Minnesota Twins, currently 13th in the big leagues in terms of bullpen ERA. Now, they had to burn through quite a bit of that bullpen yesterday with a 12-inning game against the Chicago White Sox. and with some of these guys. They were a little bit more trustworthy than others. Like, you know, throughout there, Emilio Pagan. That's not really too much of a loss, but they did have to utilize Orde Lopez as well, so it's a little bit of an issue, but you've got Johan and who's able to throw 100-plus miles per hour. Giovanni Morin has been very much lost this year with north of a 5 ERA, but at the same time at a sub-3 ERA. He sees a season going for the Minnesota Twins. It has been a lineup that has been having their own issues this year, but Byron Buxton is really starting to go into inferno mode. 8-home runs, hitting about a 262, but take a look at what he's been able to do over the last 15 days Five home runs sitting north of a 300 in that time span, so things are turning around for him. Carlos Correa, I just don't know if things are ever going to turn around for him at this point as he's been hitting about a 206. It's been a very sad start to the season for him. Trevor Larnich, Jose Miranda, along with another gentleman in the infield, Eduardo Julian. All these guys are hitting at 225 or lower. And Joey Gallo, back to hitting at 206. So, this is a Joey Gallo that we all know and love. But that said, you've got Donovan Slano hitting about at 270 and Ori Palonco. He's gone back to the fold. He's hitting right around 300 as well for Peyton Banfield. Was that a swing and miss guy when he was at the minor league level? thus far, he's been able to get right around 700 strikeouts per 9 innings. And I fully expect that to regress. His walks per 9 rate has been north of 5. And with him being a soft tosser that's giving up right around 5 walks per 9 innings, that is a big time issue. Guardians have a little bit of an edge with regards to the bullpen. But being able to get right around minus 120, I'm going to be willing to lay it with the Minnesota Twins. Both of these teams have been not able to put bat to ball much this year. So I said by telling an 8x1 as well, especially with it not necessarily being the world's warmest on Cleveland this time of year. So going to be taking a look at the under to go along the Twins' money line. 965-966 on the betting board. It is, you can see, Rails playing against the Oakland A's. Kyle Mueller is going to be going for the A's. And... Brad Keller is on the bump for the Kansas City Royals. Royals between minus 142 to a minus 155 favorites. And between plus 130 and plus 135, your number on the A's and your total on this game is 9. Under is minus 115 and the over is minus 105. I set the Royals at a minus 192 on the money line. If you're taking a look at their run line, you're going to be getting that anywhere between about a plus 125 to a plus 135. I was willing to lay a price on this run line. I am all over the Kansas City Royals. And I mean, with the Kansas City Royals, this team has been deplorable and they have been awful this year. But somehow, someway, they aren't as bad as the stench that is going on in Oakland right now. 6-26, and 26, they had to DFA pretty much half of their bullpen about 24 hours ago because of that disaster that we saw against the Seattle Mariners, and they didn't even get 4 innings out of Drew Rusinski yesterday. So those guys that they called up, like Austin Pruitt, Rico Garcia, and company, they have all been now used. Richard Lovelady has been okay in the bullpen, but Sammy Long, he's not long for being in this league, north of a 6 ERA. Overall, it's an Oakland A's team that, I'm not even kidding when I say this, they've got a 678 bullpen ERA, and their starters are posting up an ERA that is north of eight. With Kyle Mueller, he's one of your more trustworthy starters at a 6.28 in terms of his ERA. He's given up four home runs in 28 and two-thirds innings. Walks per nine rate is approaching five. It's just not been good to say the least. Three strikeouts are fewer in each out of the last four starts, and he goes up against someone in Brad Keller that he still does have his command issues. His walks per nine rate. I mean, this is currently north of six. That's a big-time issue, but he's allowed one run or fewer in three out of his last five starts. Despite the fact that he has racked up 16 walks in his last three starts, he's still been able to ease his way out of things because he does a good job of being able to limit hard contact. He's given up just one home run in 30 and a third innings this far this season, and it does feel like the Kansas City Royals offense is starting to come around a little bit more, as Vinny Pascantino, Salvador Perez, both of these guys have six home runs, Bobby Witt Jr. He's been able to supply you with five. Not a lot of average with this team. They're hitting at 225 as a collective. That's in the bottom five in the big leagues with Pascantino hitting at 288. Got a lot of guys though, like Mickey Lopez, Ramiel Reyes, MJ Melendez, Hunter Dozier, Jackie Bradley Jr., Nate Eaton, all in a 200 or lower, but for the Oakland A's, honestly, this lineup has not been the world's worst when they've been on the road at home, it's about as pitcher friendly of a ballpark as it gets, so those numbers are misleading with Oakland on the road, they're hitting a 239 as a collective, and we've got a trio of guys in Jay Langolaris along with Brent Rooker and Susie Aguiar. These three guys have a combined 14 home runs and 14 road games thus far this season. So you get a little bit of pop there. As Sergio Ruiz has been hitting about a .250 for this bunch, and Rooker's hitting above a .300. So that has been solid. It's a little bit of a top-heavy team, as have been able to get a lot out of guys like Ryan Noda, Kevin Smith, and company. But you got a little bit of encouragement there with the KC Royals. It's not like this is the world's greatest bullpen in their own right. They have a bullpen ERA that's right around a 5.51. That is 26th in the big leagues. All the shaman has been solid, but Scott Barlow, north of a 5-ERA. Josh Zemont, solid look bad since coming off the injured list, but... Now you're dealing with some injuries to some other guys, which is why you've now got Jose Kouasson, and Austin Coxon, Taylor Clark has been giving you north of a five-year A. I do think that the A's are going to be able to put up a few runs in this spot, but I think that Mueller gets destroyed by the Kansas Rose Royals. The semi-tall at 9.7. I'm going to be taking a look at the over in this spot. And with the Royals getting a plus money on that run line, going to be taking a look there as well. 9.67, 9.68 on the big board. The Walker Texas Rangers hit the red face off against the LA Angels. Tyler Anderson is going to be going for the Angels, and it is good old to be determined. It was going to be going for the Texas Rangers, so this game is off the board. I'm going off of fangrass right now for this one, and right now they are projecting Dane Dunning to try to get her Dunning for the Texas Rangers. And if it is Mr. Dunning going up against Tyler Anderson, I did set the money line with the Angels being a minus 143 favorite and a total of 8.7, which means an 8.5 or less. I'd be taking a look at this total over and a 9 or higher. I would be taking a look at this total under. It's a very tricky spot here because you've got a Texas Rangers team that ranks in the top five of the big leagues in terms of runs per game. This is even with Corey Seager dealing with all of his injuries. But with Dane Dunning, when he was on the road, he just was not the same pitcher as he was at home. You go back to the 2022 campaign, 562 road ERA, 359 home ERA. His other full season with Texas, six thirty nine road ERA, three oh nine home ERA. At home, Dane Dunning has been fine on the road. He has been anything but stunning. Dunning this year, 20 and a third innings in a long relief role as he had to give up home run. Buck 70, 70 ERA. I take that with a little bit of a grain of salt though. Tyler Anderson, ever since he has made the move over to Los Angeles, I should say Anaheim because that's technically where they're located. I would know I've attended a game there. He just has not been himself. 574 ERA. His blocks per nine rate. It's hovering right around four right now. Has never been a good swing and miss pitcher. He's allowing opponents hit a 290 off of them and got a Texas Rangers bunch, and even with Corey Seager currently out of the fold, you've got a lot of guys that are able to do a good job of be able to put back to ball. As Jonah Heim has been with about a two ninety five, along Travis Janikowski, Ezekiel Duran has been hitting well north of a three hundred as well. And then you have Josh Young ending at two seventy five. He's been able to supply eight home runs, eight Elise Garcia, and he's been able to go deep eight times thus far this season as well. So. These guys have been able to do a rock-solid job. And then you've got an Angels team that has Mike Trout it has Joey Otani. These guys have been absolutely magnificent, but still have a little bit of a top-heavy team. They've had to drop Taylor Ward in the lineup because he just has not been supplying up to a 237 in terms of his batting average, so that's encouraging. And Brendan Drury, he's been able to get a little bit warmer in the last 15 days as well. There's been a little bit of a hit or miss bat this season, but now has been able to supply the team with five home runs over the last 15 days, so it's something that you're able to feel good about, but at the same time, you do have a few guys like Zach Neto, who's been a little bit all over the place with the bat, now hitting about a 262 rookie that you can tell that he needs a few more reps, but it does feel like it's starting to come together for him a little bit Anthony Rendon to be able to get on base with nearly a 400 base. He's got as many home runs as myself, but the Logan O'Hoppy injury at the catcher spot that is currently ailing this team. Now, I am going to read the stat and the stat only because... I think that this is something that is not going to last. The LA Angels are currently fifth in the big leagues in terms of bullpen ERA. That is something that is not going to be the case at the end of the year. I have no faith whatsoever in Chris Savinsky being able to keep this up. I mean, but he uh, has been able to give you some solid headings. I don't think that that lasts. Matt Moore has been able to supply a sub-two ERA since the beginning part of last season with Texas. But I think that there's going to be a regression there. And then you've got other guys like Chase Silseth and company that are a little bit less than trustworthy. Flip side for the Texas Rangers, you do have quite a few guys that returned from last season that were able to supply a sub-3 ERA. You've been able to get some good production out of guys like Jonathan Hernandez, Jose LeClerc, Brock Burke, and then Josh Saboris. This season has been able to supply about a three seventy ERA. It was doing much better up until the last few days. We have seen a little bit of regression with regards to the Texas Rangers bullpen, but I do think all in all, they still do have a little bit of a better bullpen, even though the ERA would not lend that out. So in wait and see mode to see what we get in terms of this line. But I set my line at the Angels being a minus 143 favorite. And like I said, 8.5 or less, looking at the over 9 or higher to the under end. With the Angels want to lay up to a minus 142 with that. Plus 144 or greater will be willing to take a look at Dane Dunning. And if it's not Dane Dunning for Texas... I'll check back in the morning at GNr one on Twitter. I'll have an updated handicap there. 969, 970 on the betting board. It is the Seattle Mariners playing against the Houston Astros as Christian Avier is going to be going for the Astros and Luis Castillo is on the bump for Seattle. on Seattle, anywhere between minus 140 to minus 145 favorites between plus 120 and plus 130. Your number on Houston. 7 is the total over and under are anywhere between even money and minus 120. So, shop around for the juice accordingly here, but I did set my total at 6.9. I'm going to be willing to dive in on the under for the Houston Astros. They're still dealing with the injury to Michael Bradley. They're still without Jose Tuve. So they are dealing with a lot of injured cogs with regards to their lineup. But I think that you just flat out have a really good pitching matchup. Luis Castillo has been dominant all season long. Buck 82 ERA. The swing and miss stuff has been solid with nearly 10 strikeouts per nine innings. But what has really been big for Luis Castillo being able to cut down on the walks. For his career, he's got north of three walks per nine innings. Just eight walks in 34 and two-thirds innings thus far this season and combined four walks in his last three starts. That has led to a lot of success. Three runs of fear surrendered in every one of his starts thus far this season. Meanwhile, for Christian Aviar, swing himself a little bit down from last year. Last year, north of 11 strikeouts per nine innings. This year, more around nine and a half strikeouts per nine innings, but just seven walks in 33 and two-thirds innings. That's helpful, even though both of these teams do have really good bullpens. Them being able to go a little bit deeper, I do think that that's going to be very beneficial moving forward as the Astros. They were number one in terms of bullpen ERA a season ago. This year, they're number four. The Seattle Mariners, they were right around sixth in terms of bullpen ERA by season. They are number two this season, though. I do think that there's going to be a little bit of regression when it comes to the Seattle Mariners bullpen as they've been dealing with some injuries, including Andres Munoz being out the fold. Now, Paul Sewell, Penn Murphy, they had sub-three ERAs, but they lost Eric Swanson from a season ago. But they've been able to get really good production out of guys like... Taylor Sassido, Justin Topa, Gabe Spear, these guys have all really been able to step up as Matt Brash has actually been one of the guys that have been faltering a little bit for this team. Meanwhile, for the Astros last season, you had so many guys like Brian Stanek, Brian Abreu, Seth Martinez, all of career years, and... We've seen a little bit of regression after Ryan Sanick had like a buck twenty ERA a season ago. He's up to a three twenty seven this season. Seth Martinez has been a little bit more testy as well, but Phil Mayton, along with Arreu, Ector Nares, these are guys they're able to give you a sub two one ERA. And for the Houston Astros, you do have a catcher spot that is a big albatross when it comes to this lineup, so it's going to be pretty much a free space when it comes to the Seattle Mariners, and there just hasn't been a lot of power for the Houston Astros as far this season. A combined 28 home runs in their first 31 games of the season, so they're in the bottom half of the big leagues in terms of home runs on a per-game basis. Now you have it able to get Mauricio Dubon on base, hitting about a 3 and then you've had a few other guys, like a uh, Kyle Tucker, Jordan Alvarez be able to move the line, both of these guys, north of a 360 on base, along long check McCormick in the limited amount of at-bats he's had, but him being on the injured list has been. Really hurting this team as well as that has left it up to guys like Jake Myers to be able to pick it up. You've been seeing some at bats for David Hensley. He's been a little bit rough. Meanwhile, for the Seattle Mariners, they entered into their series with the Oakland A's dead last in the big leagues in terms of batting average. The Oscar Hernandez along Jared Kelnick will be able to supply 7 home runs, but Hernandez is only getting a 2.15. Jared Kelnick has been amazing, hitting a 3.04, but entering into the day on Thursday, he was the only guy on the roster hitting above a two hundred fifty thus far this season As And Eugenio Suarez, he's only got three home runs, hitting about a two hundred thirty five along with Ty France. So, that's been a big issue. But what is really killing the Seattle Mariners team, A.J. Pollock, Tom Murphy, Tommy LaSalle, Colton Wong, all in below the Medos line of a two hundred. So... I do think that the Seattle Mariners should be a little bit of a favorite. I think that Cascio is a bit of a better pitcher, but I can only set them at a minus 126, so being able to get plus 130, going to be taking a look at the Houston Astros on the money line, and 7 told is 6.9, so looking at the 7-under. 972 on the betting board. The Pittsburgh Priors playoffs to the Toronto Blue Jays. Chris Bassett has the hook line and sinker for the Jays, and Rich Hill is on the bump for Pittsburgh. 9 is your total. Under is minus 115. The over is minus 105. When it comes to Toronto, you're finding them between minus 142 and minus 150, between plus 120 and plus 135, is your number on um, Pittsburgh? I set the Jays' money line at a minus 157. If you are taking a look at that run line, going to be finding it, and between plus 105 to a plus 110, I did need a plus 105 or greater to be able to fire in there. I see a little bit more value with the money line because for the Pittsburgh Pirates, bullpen has actually been halfway decent for them thus far this season. As for the Pittsburgh Pirates, they're currently clocking in in terms of bullpen ERA, number seven in the league, and for the Toronto Blue Jays, has been very up and down after what we saw in Boston. They are now in the bottom half of the big leagues in terms of bullpen ERA, and we had to trot out there a lot of guys yesterday after Kevin Gossman just was unable to give you good start and We've had a few guys not as he do a good job, as Anthony Bass has been taking hook, line, and sinker all season long. It's been a rough year for Yimi Garcia, Zach Pop has not necessarily had the world's greatest of seasons as well. Sure, Romano still rolled, so we saw a closer. Eric Swanson said a good job of being able to get him the ball, but. I do think that Chris Bassett is certainly going to be able to deliver the better start in this spot now. Coming off of giving up four runs in his last start against the Seattle Mariners, but by and large, has been able to do a solid job ever since he had that disastrous first start of the season against the St. Louis Cardinals. As I mean, In that start against St. Louis, he gave up nine earned runs. He has given up ten earned runs in his five starts ever since, then going at least five innings in every one of them. Six plus innings in four of those starts as well. So he's been able to right the ship. Meanwhile, Rich Hill, he is the oldest active starting pitcher in the big leagues at 43 years old, and he's looked like it, giving up seven home runs in 32 and a third innings. Strikeouts per nine rate is starting to fall off as... He's down to about seven and a half strikeouts per nine innings so Has been able to do a good job of being able to limit the walks as he's given up just seven walks over the course of his last five starts. And to his credit, he has given up 500 runs over the course of his last four starts. But I do not think that this is going to be withstanding. And I do think that we're going to be seeing a bit of a fall off here. And I do think that for the Pirates in general, they are starting to see a little bit of regression. They get swept by the Tampa Bay Rays, which is completely understandable with the way that the Rays are playing. But at the same time, I do think that that O'Neal Cruz injury, it is going to be starting to catch up with them as we've had Brian Reynolds do a great job of being able to get on base for the team sitting at 325. And then you do have a glut of guys and Rodolfo Castro, along with Connor Joe, uh, Carlos Santana, along with Mark Mathis, lying between about a 270 to a 285 and all these guys providing at least a three fifty-five on base, but they can be a little bit feast or famine with regards to the power, 35 home runs in their first 31 games of the season. Meanwhile, for the Toronto Blue Jays, very stunningly, they entered into yesterday having played just 31 games with 35 home runs of their own. I do think that this is going to be trending upward as you've got a trio of guys in Matt Chapman, Boba Sheff, Jr., that all have been able to give a batting average of at least a three seventeen, combining for 18 home runs, as far this season as well. But Merrifield, he's been able to do a solid job getting on base, sitting about to 290 as a collective. So I do think that you got some relatively solid bats here. And when it comes to the Pittsburgh Pirates, David are amazing out there in the bullpen. But you do have guys like a Dory Moretta, Dwayne Underwood Jr. that I do have my question marks with now with someone like it. Underwood junior, he's actually been rock solid thus far this season. I do not say Hernandez. Sub to ERA, but for the Pirates, getting just three innings out of Vince Velasquez yesterday. just put them a little bit behind the eight ball as well. And as I do this, seeing the Toronto Blue Jays stick down to a minus 136, feel even better about that. So I'm going to be taking a look at the Blue Jays on the money line. I did set my total at an 8.7. This is a little bit of a pitcher-friendly ballpark. This opened up at an 8.5, but now that we've been to a nine, I'm going to be willing to dive under as I do think that Bassett has been able to turn things around a little bit. And for the Pirates, also we saw it in the bullpen. So looking at the under and looking at the Jays' money line. 973-974 on the betting board. This is going to be the DK Nation write-up pick as we got the Chicago White Sox on the road facing off against the Cincinnati Rides. Yes, we are into Cincinnati, and they're on 100 green getting the start for them. Meanwhile, is Lance Lynn on the bump for the White Sox? These self are find themselves anywhere between a minus 102 to a minus 110. Meanwhile, when it comes to the Cincinnati rides, and we find them anywhere between one two to a minus 110, and 8 and a to 9 is your total. On the 9, the under is minus 115. The over is minus 105. On the 8 and F, over is between minus 115 to a minus 120. The under is a between even a minus 105 and right-up pick. That is on the Cincinnati rise. I set them at a minus 133 on the money line. It's a Chicago White Sox bullpen that is all sorts of terrible right now. They are 29th in the big leagues in terms of ERA. They are coming off of playing a 12-inning game. I mean, it is just not good to say the least, says. Really, the only guy that you can trust in the bullpen right now is Gregory Santos. Santos has been able to give you about a buck 62 ERA. Keenan Middleton has been right around about a 2.9 ERA as well. These are the only two guys that have made more than four pitching appearances that have an ERA aside from their starters below a 4.73. I mean, man, that is not too great. And I'm not here to say that the Cincinnati Reds are lighting the world on fire. With regards to their bullpen, but you know what, 14th in terms of bullpen ERA, they've been relatively respectable. Alexis Diaz had a sub two ERA last season. Now they're going to be without Fernando Cruz for a bit of time. He's currently on the injured list, but Casey Lugamina has been able to give you a sub two ERA. Lucas Sims has come off the injured list. He's looked relatively solid. And for the Cincinnati Reds, they do such a better job of being able to hit at home rather than on the road. North of 5.1 runs per game at home. 3.6 runs per game when they are on the road. This is very much a hitter-friendly ballpark and I love being able to hit it there now with the Cincinnati Reds. That has led to them not being able to hit the ball out on the road. They have just six home runs on the road this season. That is by far the fewest in all Major League Baseball and you don't have a single guy with more than three home runs this season as Spencer Steer along Nick Senzel and the currently not on the roster. Joey Fossler are all having that moniker, but but well, you do have with the Reds. It's a bunch of guys that are able to move the line as TJ Fridell along with a little bit of a younger uh, outfielder and Henry Ramos. These guys are currently inning above a 300 for the team. Jonathan India about a 380 on base. Tyler Stevenson 355 on base. So you do have guys that are able to move the line and they get the advantage of facing off against Lance Lynn. He has made six starts this year. The team in the White Sox have lost all six losing five of those by three plus runs. He's backed up by that terrible bullpen and... For Lance Lynn, he has certainly been giving up the hard contact as he has allowed eight bombs in 32 and 2 settings. innings. His command has not been there right around four walks for nine innings and that was what was killing Hunter Green last year giving up a lot of hard contact, just one home run allowed in 28 innings thus far this season, his strikeouts per nine rate, north of 11. This guy's really been able to turn it around as he has allowed three runs or fewer in every one of his starts thus far this season in the month of April. He was able to supply an ERA of a 219. He had 32 strikeouts in 24 and two-thirds innings there. Now, the team has went just two and four in his starts as well, but they've been able to win two out of the last three as they had a little bit of a rough schedule to start out with. I really like what Hunter Green is able to supply, and I do think that for the White Sox, they're going to have a tough time catching up to him. as for the White Sox, currently a bottom three team in the big leagues in terms of on-base percentage. These guys just really don't take their base. They have been deal with the injuries So Yohan Mankata, along Tim Anderson, and their bad attendees. a move the line, anything about a 275, and then you have a pair of guys, Yohan Mankata, you guys, as, as Monty Grandall will also throw in their game Cheats and Andrew Vaughn. These guys all have at least a 324 on base. Jake Berger, he's been able to give you a TMI seven home runs, but he's hitting just a 225. But then you've got guys like Cosaker Colas, Luis Robert, Elvis Sanders hitting a 220 or lower. This is just a whirling dervish of a Chicago White Sox team that you just swing at the first pitch that they see. And I did think that Hunter Green with the way that he's been able to toss it around this year, is going to be able to get it done. I did set my total at a 9.2, so whether you've got an 8.5 or a 9, looking at the over, right up pick here. That is going to be on the Cincinnati Reds money line. 975, 976 on the betting board, and it it's the Boston Red Sox. They play on the road against the Philadelphia Phillies. Zach Whelan and Dylan Wheeler is going to be going for the Phils, and Chris Sale goes for Boston. Boston is a underdog of any between plus 138 and plus 145, between minus 151 and minus 168. Your number on Philadelphia, it is the total. Over is minus 115. The under is minus 105. And for a Phillies run line, you find that between plus 125, seeing as I is a plus 131. And you know what? Now that we're at a plus 130, I'm willing to take a look at the run line. I set the Phillies at a minus 156 on the money line, so I'll see if we can get a little bit more reasonable on the money line, but at the same time, at current numbers, I'd be looking at that plus 130 run line, because with Chris Sale, he has been very volatile, and he just doesn't look like the Chris Sale of old at this point, a 675 ERA, 5 home runs allowed in 29 in the third innings, he's given up a little bit over 3 walks per nine innings, swing and miss stuff is still there, but he also has that, he combined five strikeouts in his last two starts across 11 and a third inning, so that's been a little bit rough. Three-plus runs allowed in four out of his six starts thus far this season, so he got big-time trepidation there. Meanwhile, for Zach Wheeler, he has pitched significantly better at home than he has on the road in the last two seasons. In the last two seasons, he's got a home ERA that is approaching right around two. Meanwhile, his road ERA is about two points higher. For Zach Wheeler, a little bit of a rough start to begin the season, but now he's starting to get online, and he's got strikeouts per nine rate, hovering right around 11. And he's backed up by a Philadelphia Phillies lineup that is sitting at 266 as a collective. You got so many guys that are doing a great job getting on base, as Umando Sosa, along with and Sott, ranging between about a 294 to a 304. Nicassianos, Brandon Marsh, both of these guys hanging above a 3 Now the pop is back for the team as well, because for the Phillies, they were getting on base, but they weren't able to get those. Hard hit home runs, those big extra base hits, anything like that. Now you've got Bryce Harper back in the fold, and I think that that is just massive for the team because the only guy that really has given you an earth of four home runs this season is Scottish Warburg, hitting just a buck 91. So that's been a little bit of an issue, and you got to figure that Trey Turner, who's was only hitting about a 260, he's going to be able to pick it up as well. Now for the Boston Red Sox, it's really been one of the top over teams in all of baseball. He just completely slugged it out against the Toronto Blue Jays. They entered into the day on Thursday, hitting a 270 as a collective. That went even higher, Rafael Devers. He's been able to do an amazing job for the CML season long, up to 11 home runs. But now you've got a lot more balance as well. Because before you were having so many guys like a Kike Hernandez, like a Connor Wong, that weren't able to move the line. Wong is now providing about a 340 on base Hitting at 285. Masataka Yoshida is hitting at 300. Alex Verdugo is hitting above a 300. Adam Duvall is uh, full for the team, which hurts, but, but able to get a lot more out. Uh, Justin Turner down for what? His 370 on base is terrific. And for the Boston Red Sox, they've got the better bullpen in terms of ERA. I think we are going to see some massive regression with regards to this Boston Red Sox bullpen. They entered into the day on Thursday with a 347 ERA that was 10th in the big leagues. Don't necessarily have a lot of faith in guys like Ryan Brazier, Richard Blyer. Both of these. These guys have been a hot mess, posting up north of a 5 ERA. You've got Brian Bernardino, who's like, solid in his very limited amount of work, but it's a very limited amount of work. John Driver, Chris Martin, they're relatively solid, but Kenley Jansen is always a roll of the dice. And for the Philadelphia Phillies, Jose Alvarado has been an amazing reliever. They still employ Craig Kimbrell. And why they had him in the ninth inning in that game against the Dodgers a few days ago, I have absolutely no idea. But Andrew Vasquez has actually been very solid in this bullpen. He's applying a sub-2 ERA. Connor Brogdon, not the world's greatest arm, but he's been able to do an okay job as well. I do think that for the Philadelphia Phillies, even though they've got the lesser bullpen in terms of ERA as a matter of fact, for the Phillies, they're currently 27th in the league in terms of bullpen ERA. I think that the numbers show a bigger divide than what there truly is. I do think that Zach Wheeler is going to be able to do a much better job than Chris Sale in this spot. And I do think that we're going to see runs of plenty here. It did something I told it, an 8.3. Going to be taking a look at the over. Boston has been a bunch, has played right around 66% of their games to the over. I think that that continues Here and for the Phillies getting a plus 130 on the run line. We'll want to look there. 977, 978 on the betting board. It is the Baltimore Orioles on the road facing off against the Atlanta Braves. As Max Fried goes for the Bravos, and Dean Kramer is on the bump for Baltimore. Eight and a half is the total. Over is between minus 110 to minus 115, seeing straight minus 105. The under is anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115 as well. Braves, between minus 191 and minus 210 favorites, anywhere between plus 170 and plus 180 is your number on Baltimore. And if you're looking at the run line, between even money and minus 105 is what you've got with the Atlanta Braves and where the Braves was willing to lay up to a minus 107 on that run line. So I'm going to be looking at the run line just because with Kramer, he had a nice year last year, but you could tell that he was getting very lucky. He's only given up right around 6.2 strikeouts per nine innings. He gave up quite a few balls out in the middle of the plate and he was only getting touched up for about 1.1 home runs per nine innings and we have seen regression there. He's given up seven home runs in 29 and two-thirds innings as far this season as he has been just getting all mightily shelled. Meanwhile, Max Freed has been arguably the most dominant starter that is in the National League at this point. 0-45 ERA, allowing one run in his four starts. Now, he's only pitched 20 innings as far this season, so a small sample size, but just four walks, one run allowed in those innings. He's been done a nice job of dealing. Now, the Baltimore Orioles, if they are going to have a little bit of an advantage, it is going to be in the bullpen. As this Atlanta Braves team a league average bullpen. At 15th in the big leagues in terms of ERA, the Baltimore Orioles, they are number 6, as guys like Ynir Cano, along with Brian Baker, have really stepped up in this bullpen. Mike Bauman, he's been able to provide a sub-3 ERA. Keegan as a little bit of a long guy, has been a bit of a failure. This season, Along long-seen-all Perez after last year, they were rock solid. But I do like the way that they have been able to hurl in. For the Baltimore Orioles, this is still one of the better scoring teams. You can find it all baseball, Ryan Mountcastle has been able to supply eight home runs. He's got his batting average back above a 250 and got a lot of guys for the team. They're doing a nice job of just in general being able to move the line as you've now got Anthony Santander, Adam Frazier, along Cedric Mullins, in between about a 242 245, but the big thing for Santander is that he has been overcoming a back issue over the last 15 days. He's been able at about a 280, so he's turned around into form. Frazier has been looking a little bit better as well. And then when it comes to uh, Mullins along with Ori Mateo, sitting at 321 with six home runs, both of these guys 11 stolen bases. Most home bases across a tandem in all of baseball. Meanwhile, for the Atlanta Braves, they led the National League in terms of home runs last season. I think that they might be able to do so once again this year. Sean Murphy, Ozzie Albies, Matt Olson, all between eight to nine home runs this season. With Murphy, a four thirty-seven on base. Ozzie Albies hitting a two ninety. Matt Olson three sixty-three on base, and then you've got Ronald Acuna Jr. on base, six home runs. Austin Riley after a rough start to the season. He's starting to find it now. Marcelo Zuna, Eddie Rosario, you'd like to see a little bit more out of them, but get back Michael Harris in the fold as well. Big thing for the Atlanta Braves is being able to have the bullpen, be able to do a solid job, but be able to hold down the fort. As Max Freed has been a little bit banged up this season, so he hasn't been going as deep into starts, but Michael Tonkin as a long guy has been able to provide a 2-1-2 ERA Jesse Chavez has been a little bit up and down, but feels like he's getting back into good form as well. Colin McHugh. He's been able to give you some sub three ear ice that's coming off of the injured list. So, I do think that for the Atlanta Braves, they should be able to go out there and shut this game down. I did set the Braves at a minus 107 on that run line. So, looking to lay that. And did set my toll at an 8.7. So, here getting in at 8.5, I do think that the Atlanta Braves are going to be able to at the Orioles relatively. are going to be taking a look at the over to go along with that Braves run line. And we have things up with 979, 980 on the betting board. The Detroit Tigers at the red face off against the St. Louis Cardinals. Short Montgomery goes for the Cardinals. Matthew Boyd is on the bump for Detroit. 8 to 8.5 is the total. On the 8.5 under is minus 120. The Overs even on the 8. Overs between minus 105 to minus 115. Same goes for the under. And with St. Louis, you're going to be finding them between minus 217 to minus 230 favorites. That is between plus 190 and plus 197 is your number on the Detroit Tigers. And With the Tigers, I need at least a plus 208 to be able to take a look at them on the run line. Right now, we're finding that St. Louis Cardinals run line anywhere between minus 110 to a minus 115. I'm going to lay up to a minus 110 in this spot. Now, I'm going to try to see if we see a little bit more steam coming on the Detroit Tigers because there's been a bit of action on the St. Louis Cardinals thus far. And with the St. Louis Cardinals, it's been deplorable that I do think at some point, this team is going to be able to bust out of their funk, and I do think that Jordan Montgomery might be the guy to be able to do so. With Montgomery, he's allowed just one over run in 35 innings as far as this season. His walks per nine rate is in that neighborhood about 2.2, so He's been squeaky clean with that regard. Going up against someone named Matthew Boyd uh, since the uh, 2019 All-Star break, has been giving up two home runs per nine innings. That is not great. He's also been giving up right around four walks per nine innings. And it is the St. Louis Cardinals lineup that you still have the managers that we've come to know and love. Paul Goldschmidt along Nolan Arenado. Goldschmidt has been able to do a good job giving the team a 300 batting average. He's been Able to supply about a 400 on base as well. Home run power still has not been there to this point this season. Just four home runs, but I do think that that's going to be picking up Nolan Arenado. He has been the big issue. Hitting a 235 with just two home runs. You expect a little bit more there. And then you've got a big giant just hub of guys hitting between, I would say, about a 260 to a 275. Lars Newbar, Jordan Walker, Nolan Gorman, along with Tommy Edmond. On that fold, and for Gorman, he's been able to supply seven home runs. And they go up against the Detroit Tigers team that entered into their double dip two days ago against the New York Mets. Deadliest in the big leagues in terms of runs per game. They're still hitting just at 226 as a collective. You do have a few guys starting to get on base. Zach McKinstry at 333 on base, Matt Fearling hitting about at 275, and Eric Haas about at 280 with Javi Bias. He's been doing a better job of being able to get on bases. He's been able to about a 240 or so, but you still have so many guys like Spencer Torkelson, Akil Badu, Kerry Carpenter, Nick Mayton, Miguel Cabrera hitting a 220 or lower 24 home runs as far this season for the Detroit Tigers after they had two off of Justin Verlander yesterday, but it's not backed up by a great bullpen as well. For the Detroit Tigers, bottom 10 in terms of bullpen here, guys like a Michael Fulmer, Gregory Soto throw in there as well. Someone like an Andrew Chafin. These guys that were there in the bullpen last year, they're not there this year now. I will say that, You've had Josh Foley along with Alex Lang supply a sub 2 ERA. They have been terrific. Jose Cicero is relatively solid. And for the St. Louis Cardinals, it is a relatively league average bullpen. Ryan Ellsley has not been himself since the back half of the 2022 season, but been able to get very good production out of someone like a Genesis Cabrera, a sub 275 ERA. Giovanni Gallegos was looking solid until that Angels series. Now he's up to a 360. Yeah, and Jordan Nix just has not been terrific, but I do think that the Cardinals, they've got the better starting pitching rotation, especially with Jordan Montgomery being able to limit the hard contact. Gave up just two walks per nine innings last season, and Matthew Boyd, and once again, since the beginning of the 2019 season, he's been giving up right around two home runs per nine innings, so I do think that the St. Louis Cardinals are going to be able to get their offense online. Somebody told it at 8.4, seeing pretty much 8, going to be taking a look at the over, and the St. Louis Cardinals run line at a minus 110 or less, and that'll wrap things up. For the Friday edition of the base Baseball betting show now part of the Visa family podcast. Big thanks to Rob Donaldson with the All Eyes Podcast for joining me in the last segment. If you do like for hearing from this fine podcast, baseball betting show, you are able to subscribe wherever your podcast: Apple Podcast, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you have a question, comment, segment idea, whatever have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways we we'll can those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at TuneIn underscore one. Keep in mind letters M yeah. they I mean does not matter. So as per usual, please send these into the timeline. Other ways find an Apple Podcast review if you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able fire whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via the. Baseball nice review coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season. and means I'm coming at you once again tomorrow. Thank
6: you so much for joining me. I'm Katia Adler, host of the Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico.